Welcome to The Greenhouse Effect. Our hope is that this podcast would be like a greenhouse to help you get unstuck and grow in your full potential because life ought to be fully lived. Hey, everybody. I'm your host, Steve Perkins. And today's guest is a really, really fun guest. Her name is Dana Spinola. She's the founder and CEO of Fabric, which is a really cool and innovative company, if you haven't heard of them. But but here's my problem. Okay. So these guests we're having on are so interesting and so dynamic and successful. It's just, I feel like there's so many things I want to say. So these these intro summaries are really hard. So please, you know, let us know your suggestions. You can just leave your thoughts in the reviews. We're trying to figure out how to do this well. But Dana is a really inspiring and practical person and leader. I heard her speak at a conference. And in my notebook, when I take notes, I put a star next to anything that's an action item I need to remember for later. And she was the first person ever in any of my notebooks where all the notes on the page were stars. <laughs> so I just, I just think Dana is a really practical, action-oriented person, which, which I find helpful. And so there's kind of a few things that we'll hit on with her. One is she's really big on finding your passion and your purpose and living it out to the extent that she actually helps her employees do that as well and even her customers. The second thing is she's really big on your core values and again, living them out. And so we'll talk about the ways that she implements in her company the core values in a way that they actually have to be implemented in every single thing they do in the company. And then the third thing we'll talk about is, you know, she just is great at calling people to um, a better, bigger life. And I heard her talk to a group of male leaders once. And as a female CEO, it was so cool. She stood in front and just challenged everyone. Like your families need you to bring your passion home and into the family. And so, uh, she's really big on this, like both the big and the practical. So, like I said, Dana is the author of love what you do, the founder and CEO of fabric, whose mission is high style with heart. They have over 40 locations nationwide. In fact, one of them is right across the street from the greenhouse offices in Richmond, Virginia. She launched a nonprofit within Fabric to help women in need, and she'll talk a bit about that. But she has a couple really great awards. One is that she was named one of the five great American entrepreneurs you haven't heard yet but should know, and I would agree with that 100%. She was also voted Business Person of the Year, Women Making a Mark, and has appeared in all kinds of publications, Wall Street Journal and other things. She's a wife, mom of four kids, and we're really excited to have her on the show. Well, Dana, what's going on? You are in costume right now. (laughs) I'm sitting here in my corporate office. I just got up a conference call in my Stormtrooper costume. Um, (laughs) Probably very appropriate. My team keeps looking in. I've got a big glass window and they're like, what are you doing? But yeah, the things you do for your kids, right? I know. It's it's good though. It helps keep you young and having fun and like making life lighter. <laughs> I try to say I don't like it, but it is, it's a little fun. <laughs> yeah. We have a really critical question for you though. Since we're on the topic of things you wear, 
Our last couple of guests, Nona, Kevin, we talked a lot about fashion. This has been a really important topic when you talk about life purpose. So as a fashion expert, a guy like me, right? I'm I'm hip. I'm modern. I'm young. Uh, Clearly. (laughs) What does a guy like me tuck their shirt in or not? Is it tucked or untucked at work in the professional setting, tucked or untucked? First of all, I'm proud of you for even knowing that that's an important question that is trending now because my husband and I have discussed this. So in a professional scenario, you can tuck it in. A T, tuck in. Right now, the trend is to tuck it all in because it's all about the belt. Ah, yes. I've been noticing that, but I never it never clicked. Okay. Because yeah. the so belt is now a piece year, of the... Mm-hmm. Yes. Next year, that might change. But right now... It is all about the belt. So I would go for the tough right now in any scenario. Oh, my gosh. This is money. Okay. Yeah, we (laughs) should stop now. I think we've just basically figured this out. Done. (laughs) And everyone who's listening who won't admit that they care about this question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so tucked because of the belt in a professional setting. What about the half tuck? Yeah. So I prefer a half tuck for the, the women. It's all about the half tuck. You're not going to, we're not going to tuck the entire thing in. It's like, Hey, I just threw this outfit together last minute. Look at this. It's no big deal. That's the <laughs> whole mission statement of a woman's outfit is I did not plan this for six hours last night. Okay. Gotcha. All yep. right. Well, we're good to go now. So that's really, that's actually <laughs> good information. <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk about shoes next time, which is actually the information too. But I'm gonna I'm gonna make us, you know, kind of a uh, give us a reason to chat again. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, we want to dive into some of your story, but we also need to ask because we heard you have chickens at home and even a pet lobster. Is this true? Yes. Grandparents, aren't they crazy? They're like, we got him the perfect gift. I was like, what, mom? She's like, well, he loves fish, and so we got him a lobster. And so yeah, we have a lobster. <laughs> Like, how does this work? How does one take care of a lobster? I just don't even know how she got the lobster. It was like, and now it's like six. And I don't really know what the future is for him, but Mm. that's where we are with that. You know, she was at the grocery store dipping into the. Right. (laughs) She went to Red Lobster and waited too long in line. (laughs) He just got us believe that like all dreams should come true. And I kind of do too. But so when my son wants a lobster as a pet, it's going to happen. Man, you're the ultimate mom. Can I join your family too? (laughs) Uh, That's really cool. And your mom also helped you redesign the office at Fabric. Absolutely. She, I mean, in my house, um, you know, when you grow up with an interior decorator mom and an artist dad, you know, I don't think I realized when I was young, what, how that would come in handy, but man, it is, it's awesome. There's so much inspiration going on 24 seven. My husband comes to our dinner parties at, at our house and he's like, I mean, could there be much more creativity happening right now? <laughs> I have an idea. You know what we could do? You know what we could do? And he's a lawyer. So he's kind of like, can we just dumb this down a little bit? You crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your upbringing like? I mean, I think you mentioned entrepreneurship was in the family and yeah. um, clearly like family is big for you. What, what was it like growing up? Yeah, I mean, it's so fun to think back now because I don't think we knew it was different than everybody else's. I mean, I clearly knew that other people's dad didn't have long, crazy hair and they maybe were wearing a tie and had a briefcase. But, 
you know, my dad was always like in a field with a paintbrush, like playing air guitar <laughs> and painting. So, um, you know, for me, it was like just passion, you know, like I've talked about so much, but he, they really would. Our family mantra was, if you love what you do, you will never work another day in your life. And hmm. looking at him out there painting, I was like, are you working? <laughs> like that is work. And it's been so cool to, to actually have that be a reality. And same thing with my mom. Um, it's crazy because she was the mom and we didn't have a lot of money growing up and we'd be driving down the road, me and my brother and sister. And she would literally say like, look at that piece of that chair over there on the side of the road. Like, let's get it in the car. <laughs> we'll recover it. We're like, mom, <laughs> everything is an opportunity. Everything's beautiful. And we're like, I just don't know about that. But yeah, it was, a, it was an incredible way to um, kind of grow up. I mean, neither of them went to college. So it wasn't like, you know, with the first day in college, I just walked into the counselor's office. I'm like, what, what job should I have? I want a job to make a lot of money. Can you help me? And they literally just gave me a major. So it was definitely from the passion side. I think I learned a lot about business later because they were entrepreneurs, but more of just like, just do what you love. Not necessarily, you know, where I was with, I want to, I want to build something, you know, really big. And, and it's crazy because the two of them actually have um, built you know, he has a gallery and a frame shop and my mom's an incredible interior designer. It's just cool that at the end game, passion will take you, you know, where you need to be from a career perspective too. I mean, do you get, or did your family even get many objections? People like, yeah, you can't just do that. That's not practical. Or what about everyone else? Like, does that, does that come up? Do you hear that? Oh yeah. I and mean, I feel like we heard it all the time. We just, we were kind of like, you just don't get it. Like people would say, I remember my mom made all my clothing growing up, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the real reason is we just couldn't afford to go buy the clothing, but I thought I had a personal stylist. <laughs> so I remember you know, I would be around people and they're like, that doesn't say jams or guests. It says made by Anne. You know, my mom would put this little label. And I was like, I know we're so cool. <laughs> so like we loved it. Me and my brother and sister, it was like, we just lived in this, um, you know, our reality was, Hey, let's, you know, my mom would always say, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. So we were just all in and everything that we did. And it kind of stayed away from the, you know, the, the question and then like, what it's all up to, because, um, you know, you couldn't not be attracted to two people that were living out their dreams too. Yeah. So I always very curious, but anytime I had a party at my house, um, my dad was always sitting in a chair and there'd be 10 friends lined up just to kind of talk to him. It was always like, uh, yeah. how do you do this? what's going on? You know, he was, he's that dad and my mom was the same mom. So, um, I think it was definitely something to question. How do you, how do you make that happen? You know, how do you live yeah. that kind of life? That is cool though. Cause I mean, since we're talking about kids, something that always hits me is how curious they are. And it's just like, how do we, we lose so much of that as adults and yeah, someone like your dad with the line of 10, you know, I bet it has a lot to do with the curiosity. It's just like the kid in them wants to come back out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and I mean, I love that you say that because I was talking about that the other day. The idea as we get older, we stop dreaming, you know, like we're talking about Halloween and our kids, like they believe they are the character, right? Like they're like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm capable of. Like, and I actually, you know, climb that building. And I've watched truly and not in like an unrealistic way. I've watched my parents. They continually dream. I mean, last year, they, they've always dreamed of building a house together. And after 45 years of marriage last year, they built a house together and he architected it and did the art and my mom designed it. And they just, I watched this kind of thing come together that we get to spend Thanksgiving in this year. And so I think that 
you know, it's sad to watch people like, oh, that's, you know, dreaming something you do when you're young. You don't mm-hmm. really continue that on. So it's an important value for me and for my company and my friends. I mean, my poor friends and husband, I'm like, all right, Angelo, it's January. Let's sit down and we'll come up with our dreams for the year <laughs> for our family, our faith, and for our friends. And then he's like, all right, sweetie, he humors me, but he actually will, you know, admit now, like, it's nice to be able to put those dreams back into the world because a lot of people, you just stop and there's dreaming is really just like hoping for what your life can be and being intentional to throw it out there and be bold enough to say, could this possibly happen? Yeah. Yeah. I do like that. It's, I think you and I share the same belief that we're all made to be creative, but then there's so much, especially in the working world that kind of has stripped that out. And it's like, yeah, if you can just even be involved in designing your own house and projects, like having a little art project at home, anything you can have like ownership to just be creative, brings so much of that dreaming back, even if it's small. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is like, like, I think everyone defaults to a dream is Disneyland. And I mean, a dream can be things like, I mean, I remember my husband and I, one of our first dreams was that we were going to stop going to Starbucks, save up all the money and buy a really nice coffee machine. Nice. And we did like 10 years ago. And he's like, if you can not spend money on Starbucks and we can save this up, we were doing this cool Dave Ramsey um, financial piece. And I remember like, we still have that coffee machine and people come to the house to like, Oh, the coffee machine. And it makes us happy. And so that was like a dream. You know, it really was like, if we can do this, we can make this happen. Uh, so so I, cool. sometimes yeah, these dreams have to be, they're too complicated. I, they're not always going to, you know, they almost feel too lofty and you give up on them. Yeah. So how did you start to figure out your passions? Like you grew up in all of that, but then how do you start to find your thing and you know, what's led to, to fabric and all of this mission yeah. you're after now? Well, and I feel like now when I tell the story, I kind of forget to tell people that it is a little complicated to figure out your passion. I mean, it it becomes obvious once it's obvious. Um, You know, when I look back, um, there was, there was a moment that I was, so my major was was management information systems. So I was working at Deloitte consulting in the corporate world, flying from place to place, which I I actually thought was going to be success. I literally thought, you know, we didn't grow up with any money. If I I have a big old salary someday, then I'll be happy. You know, like a lot of us do. And maybe that works for a lot of people. For me, I'm, you know, in my twenties going, all right, so I have a paycheck, but like there was something so missing. And my dad totally called me out on one out on it one day. I was in San Francisco um, at Deloitte, call him up and I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Just kind of telling him about my day. And he's like, sweetie, can I ask you a question? Like, are you still loving what you do? I'm like, Oh, don't ask me this. Cause I liked it. And it made sense. And my resume was great. And mm. they were paying my dry cleaning. Like it should have just all been easy. And I just was like, no, no. I mean, I like it, but it's not what I'm made to do. Hmm. And I got on that plane, a four hour plane home and started a business plan for one little boutique <laughs> that, you know, I asked myself like, what would make me happy? What, what actually do I think I made? And as I'm writing, you know, all those things flood in of my mom made my clothes growing up. Every money I got from babysitting went to Vogue magazine, which you'll see behind me in my office. I mean, I ripped out pages and wallpapered my room and everything was really about that. I got best dressed in seventh grade. Like that <laughs> right there is clearly a resume builder. Uh-huh. Um, but I, loved it, you know, so I think that like, 
as you look back, if you, you know, basically create a timeline of your life on a piece of paper and you put the big old things that really, you know, brought you joy, I think you're going to find a line to what your passion was. And mine was pretty clear of, I'm going to open a clothing store, just, just one, just to, you know, because I would love that. What a dream that'd be. That's really, that's really cool, especially about the timeline, right? Because you're looking back at things that actually happened that you can reference. You're not just guessing. It's like, right. these are clear pinpoint. But then what about, because I know, and we'll talk more about this, but you, you really encourage people at your company and customers and everyone to do this kind of stuff. So when it comes to this passion thing, what have you seen in some of them as they see their passions, how it relates when they are not the one starting the right. business? Well, and I will, you know, I think the most important thing I could say right now is starting your own thing isn't for everyone. It really isn't. Like I've got a, a sister who's my best friend in the entire world that just looks at me and shakes her head. Like I have no desire. I mean, she's worked for my dad for many years and she, I, I thought everybody wanted to start something and that's kind of what passion was. It is not. It is about understanding because some people just love to support people. Their passion is, is to find you know, the animals that they love that that doesn't mean they want to start their own vet company. It means that they want to make sure that um, old dogs that before they die, that they adopt them and then they take care of them. So I think it's a really good point to, if you love yoga, doesn't mean you need to be a yoga instructor and understanding your place in your passion. Because sometimes I've watched this happen a lot. People are like, Oh, I, you know, I love art. So I'm going to, you know, go start an art gallery. It is that takes, can take you away from your passion. I've watched people get, you know, stuck in a scenario that, that's business. If you love business, then jump in there. If you love art, be an artist mm. and art in a gallery. So I think that's a great question. And it's something that I spend time with my team. Um, like with fabric, we have a franchise. So there's some people that want to own their own store. Uh -huh. And that is a different person that, you know, loves social media and wants to promote that in that way. So I think that's a great point to make is passion doesn't mean go start something. It means understand what, what, you know, keeps your, you inspired and ignited and make sure it's part of your life. Yeah. Um, I have friends that are working mom, I mean, that are non-working moms that their, their passion is not a job. It's making sure that like a lot of them love kids. And I have a friend that writes letters to kids in the, all the orphanages. She's a mom to, you know, a bunch of people, <laughs> but that's not a job. So I think understanding your passion doesn't always mean that it's connected to a paycheck, if that makes sense. It does. And you recently wrote the book, Love What You Do. So how did that come to be? Is that just related to this whole thread? Yeah. I mean, you're going to think I'm crazy. This is like a totally, you know, me thing to do as, as everyone knows me. I, um, I was not planning on writing a book. I'm, you know, CEO of a company and I'm a mom of four. Like I was actually taking a sabbatical to slow down and to relax and refuel. And um, that's kind of when the book came about. It was the plan of the book was, you know, I was looking at my calendar to be completely frank with you at, and looking and seeing where's a lot of my time. And most of it was in coffee meetings or, hey, Dana, can I chat with you for a little bit? Can you talk to my niece or can you, um, you know, come to this business meeting and talk to our team? And the conversation was, hey, guess what? Like, Art, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm not living a life like that I was kind of meant to live. I want to get back in my flow with passion and hopefully get some purpose in there. It kind of looks like you're doing it. Could you just give me some hmm. advice on that? 
So that's really where I was like, well, if I put it down, you know, all into a book, then A, I can think through it and, and give a little bit more guidance to, you know, answer these questions. A lot of it's just asking yourself questions. So I put it down in a book for that reason, because I was just like sitting down at coffee after coffee. I mean, it was happening at dinner parties and, you know, the sidelines of my kids' football games. Hey, Dana, do you have a second? Can we just chat? Like, and it was young, old. It, there wasn't like a man, woman. T- it was everybody that was kind of like, oh. I like what I do. I actually think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I'm just not feeling inspired. And I got to say, hey, well, I'm on sabbatical right now. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I truly love it, but the fire can go out too when you do too much too quick. Um, and the daily grind per se, I love that word because it can grind away at it if you're not careful. So yeah, that's kind of, you know, I, I had some clear headspace to, uh-huh. to really articulate, let's stay in a place where you can love what you do. So cool. So that book kind of became your way to scale that conversation and actually yes. be able to help them when you don't have time. Right. Yeah. Which my team kind of lost out now because now, um, because I love talking about it so much. They're like, we thought you'd talk about it less. Now I'm on stages talking about it because it is, it's such an important conversation that we keep having more and more and more. Like, I don't believe loving what you do is, is actual job title. I think it's the good work you're putting into the world. Yeah. I, I've watched get their dream job per se and still not you know kind of love their place in the world yeah. so if you know you have to kind of craft in what's you know am i serving this world in a bigger way that's kind of where the impact comes yeah yeah say more about what what's the difference there for you sure so for me and again i, I figured out just for me to articulate the difference of passion i think is what makes your heart beat right like you do it for free if 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 your wife said, Hey, sweetie, you have two free hours on Saturday, what would you do? Right. And that's kind of like the passion part. My husband's like, well, mine's football. Is that allowed? I'm like, yeah, it's allowed. <laughs> and he comes to our kids' teams and you know, that's where his passion is. And um, purpose, what I believe is what makes your heart break. You know, mm-hmm. it's that thing you see or that movie, you see that statistic you hear that you're like, is that for real? Is that our world? Is that really happening right now? And figuring out, how can you kind of be part of that, that making that better? So it's, you know, and when they come together, which they can, you know, I think about fabric and it's just mind blowing. It feels like such a blessing that for so long, I mean, I have clothing as my passion. Let's, we're not, you know, we're being completely honest here. People are like, are you sure that's your passion? I'm like, I'm positive. <laughs> uh-huh. But then, you, have, you know, you, you jump over to sex trafficking and, orphans like that's what breaks my heart and now we have you know fabric was able to bring those together with our nonprofit um and that's kind of where you know to me this life just gets just brighter because you're using this passion you had to kind of pour into something that's darker and bring some light into it hopefully yeah and i like the combo because passion is a little more self-focused and purpose is more others focused. And I think people can get hung up thinking like, oh, well, it's not okay to just pursue your passion or, or, you know, purpose is, but together that combo kind of clarifies like, yeah, you need to be kind of at your best to do good for others. And, And they go together. It feels like. You're exactly right. I mean, I have friends, I mean, I have leaders of companies and moms that are leading families and leaders in ministry that, you know, when you pour out that much, you know, because there's so much purpose to, we, we need us. I mean, there's a lot going on that we need to kind of help make better. But if you deplete that, then 
you, you're really not a great leader to anyone. And so keeping yourself inspired is, is really the key of all of it. And it sounds selfish, but it's actually, you know, the, the basis for having people ready to get out there and say, I'm ready to, you know, I'm fueled and ready to help make a difference. Yeah. So, okay. In your role though, because it, it is a good question, like all this stuff, you do keep it um, in the forefront and as a priority, but there's a lot on your plate, right? You're, you're busy and there's a lot going on. So how do you, I don't know, how do you think about your time or your calendar and priorities um, to still yes. keep that in the forefront? It's such a good question. And, you know, my, my first answer is I am like love learning. I ask this question to every leader, every mom that I love how she pulled off her day to um, reading books. I ask that question a lot and I get so many great answers. So I think that's the first thing is, you know, don't think you've got it figured out. Keep asking people, wait, how did you pull that off? Hmm. But for me, you know, Sundays are really important to me to look at my schedule and to see where I'm triple booked. And then I have to make that decision. I, and I, I've given myself a lot of forgiveness and grace that I might miss a spelling bee this week because I'm going you know, to Michigan to speak about something that's really important to me. Or I might miss family dinner on Thursday because I'm going to do a free fabric spree. Or I might miss a free fabric spree because my son needs me to help him with his impossibly hard science homework. <laughs> So I don't think I can make the judgment on what I think is more important at the time, um, but just kind of um, understanding in the moment that I have to give myself grace when I miss the other. And what's the most important? Yes. What I also won't do anymore is um, what I call guilt plans. I mean, I was I was uh, the person, yep. you know, you made some guilt plans all the and, time. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at your calendar. And again, not that those people aren't important and special and but what I was doing is pushing away the people. Like I wasn't even answering my mom's phone call because I was too busy with people I had not even met yet. And I don't think we can live like that either. So that balance of looking at my calendar and saying, I've never met these nine people that I really, really would love to meet versus I need to take two hours. Like I don't cancel date night anymore. I mean, my husband is the most understanding man in the world. I'm like, hey, babe, I got to go to LA to do this thing. He's like, don't worry about it. But because he's so understanding, we're going to cancel three date nights and then I'm going to have, you know, ships in the night stranger, you know, in our home. Yeah. So, you know, you have to understand which things you're not willing to give up. That's really helpful advice. And um, I, th I think there's I want to pull out something you said that was really important. And you said um, your most your most important yeses like that. Yes. That that is really helpful. Right. Because it's not necessarily that. um one thing is unimportant or one person is unimportant, but yeah, when there's a lot going on, you do kind of have to, at some point say, which is the more important? Yes. I think that's a helpful phrase or question. Like if somebody's taking that advice to look at their week on Sunday, that would be a great question. And the way I say it just, and I don't know if it's, it's politically correct, but if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Yeah. And it's got to be a hell yes. Because what I learned is I had, hmm. I was saying, so many, sure, sure that there's no margin. So if you're, you know, if it gets to be Tuesday and my husband's got to go out of town last minute and I've, I've booked so much up, there's no way to make life work or a friend is having a hard time in her marriage and just needs a phone call. So I, I get all my, you know, I mean, I have a text group and it's my accountability group. It's called, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And so I'm <laughs> like, is this, they're like, that's a no or that's a hell well, that's yes. That's a good idea. I need that. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, and I, I do, you know, what's, that's one of the things I, I named when I was writing my book. It's, it's wise counsel. And that's not like your four best friends you go out and grab a drink with all the time. It might be, but for me, you know, the people on my wise counsel, the people that tell me if there's spinach in my teeth, you know, they're people like, Danny, you're doing stupid stuff. Not the <laughs> ones that had another great idea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, those people and I appointed them like they didn't, I don't even think they want to be in it. It's a non-paid <laughs> annoying position. <laughs> They'll no, tell me great. There's, yeah. it's the one place they have permission to be a jerk. <laughs> exactly. And I'm, you know, I'm back on theirs and it, it kind of gives that freedom to say, Hey, do you want to go into the di- a ditch again? You told me to not let yourself get there. So I'm going to tell you, and I thank them every time. Yeah, that's really good. I, I have a group of, of people in my life like that too. But what I really like and want to implement is that specific, like, here's something I'm debating if I should spend time on or say yes to and getting their feedback. Cause it's so, it's so easy for me in the weeds to be like, yeah, but there's this and this and this. And it's like to someone on the outside, it's way easier to just say, really? <laughs> yes, it's so true. And I do that same, that, that same challenge with the idea of finding out what your passion and purpose is. If you don't know, just text your friends. Hey, what do, what do I love to do? And they're going to text back like in 10 seconds, I'll do this um, in seminars with, People, I'll just say, grab your phone out, text six people that know you. Because when they're like, oh, I don't think I have a passion. I'm like, okay, well, text six people that know you and immediately back. It's like, whoa, I mean, my husband said this. And yeah, that's what it is. It's pretty obvious because, you know, what you're talking about and where you're spending your time, people are watching. And same thing about purpose. Like, I'll have them say, hey, what do you think breaks my heart? And immediately back, they're like, that's right. That (laughs) does. You know, there people are tracking, and you're, we're making excuses, or we're saying, "Well, maybe that's not a good enough purpose, or maybe that's not my passion." So, um, I think that works. You know, for not only checking your pulse, but for understanding, you know, kind of who you are. <laughs> oh, it's so good. We're working. You know, be careful because you might get. You know, some of the text back. You're like, "Whoa, that's that's it." But well, gotta take that. T- I did it too when um, I was at a conference you spoke at. And yeah, that was actually really kind of like catalytic moment. One of those texts. Um, Dana, I love how you are so action oriented like that, like getting people to text in the moment at the conference while you're speaking, right? Because people get so hung up. These kind of these bigger questions or these more deeper thoughts, like people can just spin and procrastinate forever. So I love that you just make them act in the moment. You don't even say, Hey, after the talk, do this. Cause then they'll never do it. <laughs> and I, no, if you overthink it, yes, it's scary when you get to overthink it point. That's why I also say, Hey, grab your phone and send uh, something to someone you love, just telling them they're awesome. And like wives will go, where are you, sweetie? What do you, what do you, why did you just tell me? Who is this? <laughs> about, yeah. Trying to do. And we're like, we'll do that later. Or we are like, maybe I'm not doing it right. But yeah, you're these, like, we just like our passion and purpose. It's usually sitting right in front of you. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're about to talk about something really important, but everyone listening, pause it right now and do the text. <laughs> do that right now. Unless you're driving, wait till you're done driving. But, um, I think that same action orientation I've seen you pull it into your company and how you operate the business. And I'm really, um, I don't know. I'm inspired by it. Yes, but it's more than that. I'm actually really like, I appreciate how you live that out. And the way that I've seen it played out that I mentioned in the intro is with company values and, and how you actually make sure the values are operational. It's not just a poster on the wall. It's how we live 
our life and do our work. And I mentioned that we've been working with one of these big companies on value stuff. And we used your company as an example and people's jaws were on the floor like, wow, because you actually will say like, okay, cool project proposal. Like where's the, where are the values and the wow, the wow factor, you know, where's the wow factor. That's a big one for you guys. So I just love to hear more about that. Cause I think whether it's an individual or a leader listening, that is, that's huge, right? Taking this big lofty stuff and how do you get it into the, no pun intended, the fabric of, of life and business, et cetera. Absolutely. Well, I got to first just have the admission that I used to have a, you know, core values and a mission statement that I don't even remember because they were so long and they were so well worded <laughs> overthought as we talked about that it, you know, I'd have to grab my business plan to read them. And that's not, you know, sustainable. You need to, I, I need my team to know what they are so that they can even live them. And, um, you know, it is, it's true. They, they're on our wall, but if they're not actually in real life, it doesn't matter. And, you know, our first one dream big, I love that we we have dream sessions on our Google calendars that you have to show up to because guess what? Not everyone's a dreamer. It's not everyone's favorite thing to do, but we sit there and dream. And what I learned from, you know, being a kid with two dreamer parents, if there isn't a hustle behind the dream, you stop believing in dreams. Like here's something we could do someday. Oh, well, hmm. you know, if the idea is the goal is just a dream with a deadline, I've always loved that because a dream without a deadline is just an idea that, Oh, that'd be cool. So, you know, that's why hustle hard comes right after dream big and to make sure that what are we going to do with this? What's one big goal that our whole company can get behind? Can we, can we raise, um, can we get 10,000 pieces of clothing to donate to free fabric in a month? Let's all do it together. You know, something that we all know and then inspire, like stay inspired team. What do you guys want to do? If they wanted to go glamping, I'm like, sure. Like, that's not something that I think I would have come up with, but we're going to go do a photo shoot in teepees up in the mountains. And, you know, I think if you don't keep a team inspired, there's no way they're going to dream or hustle yeah. with you, you know? So and a then big the thing other for you is putting it on the calendar, actually putting this stuff on the calendar, because guess what? If it's not on the calendar, if you walk out and say, Hey everybody, <laughs> y'all look like you're really working hard. Is there any way anyone wants to come to my office and dream? They're like, what? Like I'm not even in mindset. Yeah. So yeah, on their calendar, give them time to kind of prep for, there's going to be 30 minutes to an hour where there's no rules, sky's the limit, you know, just say anything. And we just write it all over the wall kind of thing. Um, but yeah, when then you, after you're inspired, like the wow, the wow, everyone that I talk about a lot because it, it's just fun to do. Why not have, you've got to have fun in your company. And this is very much like the random acts of kindness, but we call it an intentional acts of kindness. Um, you know, it's a KPI for us every day. You have sales goals, but you also wow someone and you put it in a report, you send it in a corporate, we decide what the best of the week is. And, you know, it's an actual item that we're rewarding our company based on. Mm. So, and then the last one is lead with heart. You know, the, the idea if purpose isn't in your marketing plan, if it's not in your strategic plan, if it's not in your social media campaign, then it's going to fall off the wayside. So, you know, with our mission statement, high style with heart, we've got to have both of them. And I urge, you know, everybody to make sure that piece kind of is woven in like we talked about. It's just so cool. And it makes so much sense hearing you say it. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Why don't, why yeah. don't, why don't we usually do that? Because it takes some intentionality. 
It's like that, that extra step to kind of get it on the calendar or, you know, put that hustle behind it. Yeah. And ask, you know, I think the, the biggest part about this that I always um, learn literally every day, I'm the leader of my company. So if, in some way, I used to think that I was in charge of our values instead of we're all, this is all of us. And not only giving your team the freedom, but to charge them with that piece. And I think before I set it up, well, I'm the leader. So I'm going to tell you how we're going to dream. And this is how our hustle is going to be. Here's some goals for you. Instead of saying, Hey, what, what goal do you think would just be awesome and crazy? Or tell us how you're, tell me how you get inspired instead of leaders kind of um, coming up with their core values, make sure that they are who you are and what their, your company are. But if they're not interested and they're like, we don't, our fifth core value used to be celebrate instead of lead with heart. And we sat in a room and our team was like, I mean, we celebrate, but not, that's not really who we are. We we're more heart. And I just remember thinking, wow, we've got to change our core values. And, you know, you always look around, am I allowed to? Absolutely. Change. And, you know, as your company changes, change, I I changed my mission statement. It used to be high style, no attitude or sticker shock. You know, I wanted everyone to come in and not worry about prices and be kind. And, you know, on a bus in Africa after a mission trip, I realized, no, this is, it's got to be hard. You know, we're going to put fashion and we're going to put serving people together and, you know, literally changed our mission statement. So I think that would be the other thing is come up with what you think it is. Don't wait 10 years to get the perfect ones and then refine it as you live it. Well, I mean, we usually ask guests at the end to give kind of an actionable next step for people, but you've given us plenty already. (laughs) So I think people just need to take one of the actions that inspired you um, on this episode. But in light of your wow value, you guys wowed us and you gave just kind of a cool offer to our listeners. So do you want to share about that? Yeah. So I used to kind of try to come up with like these creative wows. And and finally the listeners and customers all just said, what about a discount to shop? <laughs> like clothing's fun. So we're giving you a greenhouse 30. So it's 30% off um, your entire purchase off fabricstyle.com, our website. Um, so go have some fun and do some, you know, guilt-free shopping. <laughs> That's so good. Thanks so much. We really appreciate that. And uh, for everyone listening, you can follow along at Greenhouse Culture Co. on Instagram. We'll probably do a little video segment to go with it because one of your stores is just right across the street from us. Awesome. Well, have fun. Here at the Greenhouse Effect, we are big fans of our friends at Belay Solutions. They are a company that provides virtual assistants and bookkeepers and social media managers. We want to give you a taste of what it's like to work with Belay from one of their clients. His name is Dave Richards, the CEO and lead coach for Elite Performance Associates. Belay saved me. When I was focused on growing my business, you know, I can think of recently, um, I was working with a high profile, uh, you know, federal government agency on a conference for them. And it had a lot of moving parts. You know, my VA allowed me to confidently let go of all of those things and just focus solely on preparing content and delivering a high value program to the client. Belay follows up with me. How can I give more this constant prodding of, you know, how do you, how can we help you more? How can we pull more from your plate so that you can do, you know, what you're meant to do and what you're best at. 
you resonate with any of this and you want more information, we have partnered with Belay to offer $200 off of your startup costs. And if you want to learn more about that or have a free consultation with a member of the Belay team, just click the link in the show notes or go to belaysolutions.com backslash next step. Okay, Dana, and what is your book recommendation for everybody? Gosh, the one of the books that I still love, and it, you know, obviously you'll know why, is Love Does by Bob Goff. If you haven't read it, or if it's been years, just go read it. The whole <laughs> idea when I read that, I was like, Bob invented, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like he's this bigger-than-life figure, but a lot of people still don't recognize his name. So if you don't recognize his name, just look up. He's been doing a lot with um, Chip and Joanna Gaines at the Magnolia, kind of whatever they call that, (laughs) kingdom. (laughs) Of of greatness, yes. Yeah, and it's really cool stuff where they help people dream and do all the things you're talking about. So I love that. It really ties in well. Yeah, I love that book too. Awesome. All right. Thanks for coming on. This is really fun. I could probably do this all day. Let's cut it off now. (laughs) Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe and come on, do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It'll help others find the show too.